Welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today Paulie and I are chatting about the worst jobs we ever had. We go back into the files to discuss some of the most unique, negative, dissatisfying, interesting, but largely non-enjoyable jobs that we've had to do over our time. Uh, We crack into a few good ones. This episode deserves a second part and potentially a third and a fourth. You'll hear those in good time. I hope you enjoy the stories therein. And uh, if you do dig today's episode, please go ahead, share it with a friend, leave us a review. Helps to support the show so that we can continue to bring you this high-quality content. Strangely, we've been hanging out plenty. See you here in bloody week every fucking <laughs> two days, except weekends. My hours are really trimming back as I get older. <laughs> Funny mind of ramping up. Hey, <laughs> do you uh, do you follow an Instagram account or have you seen it called Middle Class Fancy? Because of you, I do. <laughs> Fuck me. I was looking at it yesterday. I mean, you know, it's just on my feed, but they brought up some merchandise. They do t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, hey, Mies, 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 check this out. Look how funny this shit is. She does, she never finds it that funny. All the stuff on that account, she's kind of like, <laughs> you know, when you, you know, when you're showing someone and they're yeah. like, oh, it doesn't hit with them the same as it hits with me. Yeah. But they do t-shirts and they have like, um, like I'll try and describe a couple, but like a big timber deck and mm. then it says big deck energy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one. It's a ride-on lawnmower, and it says... You're becoming a real dad. We ride at dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Shit yeah. like that, okay, that, you're like, that. that yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm like, babe, don't buy me any of these, but I think they're hilarious. Because <laughs> she would if you liked it. She'd be like, that's a cute gift to get, yeah, like, one birthday. Yeah. I found myself only a couple of weeks ago explaining one of the memes to Kate. And that is my mother-in-law for the listeners. And I, was, I can't remember how it came up. But something We were in the kitchen washing the dishes or whatever, and it came up to, like... I think it was a board, like a cutting board, and I remembered the meme in it, and I explained it to her about middle class fancy, and I tried to like set the context a little bit, and it was a picture of a cheese board that looked like a bunch of fucking bush turkeys just like ripped through it. So there's like crumbs everywhere, this smeared cheese, and it's all kind of eaten, and it's all gone, and it's a mess. And it said something underneath like, um, you know, like when the girls meet up for a bit of wine, it turns into a big one. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is what the cheese board looks like. The girls have a little bit of wine in the park and it turns into a big one. It's <laughs> <Just> like, oh, <laughs> uh, smashing the champers under the tree. It's all about like for the women, it's the white wine. Yeah. For the guys, it's the dude's always named Randy. Yes. It's very American. Yeah. It's oh funny. man, it's, it's a beautiful account. But yeah, I <laughs> in that same way, and I'm sure for anyone listening that's like under... 35 they're like i don't get it yeah but i, I was like me i was like this is, this is me now <laughs> you know the ride like i, I want to ride on lawnmower and shit yeah <laughs> we ride at dawn is that's a pretty good one <laughs> the other one was a tarago big tarago on the doors open <laughs> and then it says let's rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> oh lord shit. sitting here with a couple of dad caps on that's right the JB Dad Cap. Are they available online or was it a pre-order item only? It was a pre-order online, but hell, if you DM us, we'll send one out. Just DM us. If you haven't seen them, I've been wearing them in my stories heaps lately. I'm wearing them all the time. Yeah. My, yep. my dome piece is cold in this weather. My hair's out of fucking control. That's why I'm wearing a hat all week. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm kind of growing it at the moment. 
Um, you headed somewhere new with that, potentially. Mm. So I just, but I need to grow it for a bit to 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 know whether I'm going to do it or not. Which is just, I was going to grow a fro. Um, so I might grow out the sides because I need to grow out the sides a bit for that. Or I might get some twists or something like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Twist flat top type of short sides. Do you look at white guys like me with white guy hair and think, ever think, oh, I wish I had straight hair like that? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you think? Like not a lot, but I used to, you know, especially when you're a teenager or you're 20, just because it'd be, you know, like, oh, fuck, I wish I could do that with my hair. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that, that they can do, you can't. Well, there's chemicals out there. I could perm this bitch. <laughs> really good, but no. If, yeah, because I mean, I was going to say, I look at you and think, oh, it'd be cool to be able to go on Afro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, but then there's also the downside of having whatever hair you have, isn't there? Pubic hair on your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always thought it'd be mad to, to do the, to put the chemicals in it and then put a nice part in it and wear a suit. I just thought that's a really funny 1920s look. So that's what a perm is? I don't really fucking know. Come on, I don't man. live in America. Come on, man. I don't really indulge in it too much. But it's when they straighten the hair. Right. As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with this, my sisters using straightener all the time. Yeah. And that's chemicals. You put it in, you comb it through, you leave it in for a certain amount of time. You might have to do it twice and it straightens the hair. Yeah. And they'd blow dry it and stuff. But I guess I always thought that a perm was a similar thing. Yeah. But kind of used More for, hardcore. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's some cool shit. I don't know. Um, the big news this week, mm. you know the news, but I want to share it with our listeners. Jungle Dublin is opening at the end of the year. So what's the deal? Because, well, probably the listeners think that I know everything that's going on, but I don't quite because where you're looking after that, you're spearheading it, so to speak. Mm. I'm supporting, I've been working in a different area of that. Software development. Plus, I'm I'm holding down the gym on behalf of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's going on? Like, what so, changed? Because I knew that this was in the pipeline, but then I see the post and I'm like, ooh, official. It's, and I want to talk to Joey about what the hell, what happened. Yeah. So, to paint the picture for folks, the coach Aaron, who's mm. been one of the greatest to pass through this gym. And he's been coaching with us for five years, four years, mm-hmm. something like that. About five. Yeah, he, he always was – his plan was always to return to Ireland, where he's from, with his fam. COVID fucked that up a little bit, delayed their plans. Um, but, you know, once we sort of came out of the second lockdown, he's like, yeah, we're headed back, and he had a date. We had uh, – he had been working with us while we were developing the alliance, and he's seeing it and contributing to it and – you know, and so we never really, we never wanted to have the discussion in a, in a like make a decision now kind of way. Like, are you going to open an alliance gym when you get to Ireland? Mm. But he was always going to open a gym. So it was always for us, like I always spoke to him like, you know, if you were to do this kind of thing. And he mm. always reciprocated that, that energy. Um, so anyway, I got to a point where I was like, so what are we doing? You know? Yeah. And he's like, I'm keen. I want to know more. So... Him and his awesome mate Bucky, who trains here, who's headed back in a couple of months, I think. Shout outs. Bucky's a legend. Bucky. He was in before. He's been in every days. He's building up to a big jungle in Dublin opening. That's right. Wants to look good. Wants to splits for it. Oh, does he? No, no, no. God, he's got (laughs) long legs too. (laughs) Really long. Those two boys, fucking legs all day. Yeah, yeah. They're extremely tall gentlemen. Yeah, both long legs. 
Um, but so they, uh, so we sat down and it was like, look, man, it, what was really cool was that we've been crystallizing this alliance idea as you've been building the software. We've been sort of, we knew what the mission was, right? To empower other aspiring gym owners who want to do it like we did it, to build a community of gym owners to be able to support each other, which in turn allows us to build more micro communities of people who are getting strong and becoming healthy around the world. Um, but it was like, what are the specifics of that? We had the software piece, but it's like, well, how does it all play out? How does it work? So what's been really cool is that I was able to sit with them and say, you guys will be our first true ally, Jim, because you will be, you're not Tiora. Like Tiora is one of the founders. So when he opened Jungle Balana, it was as if he was going to do anything else, right? Mm. You know, and, mm. and, and in truth, I mean, T's actually been the first ally gym because that's been testing the blueprint mm-hmm. um but they were like the first guys who had the option to be anything they wanted and we're like hey this is what we're offering you and so you know we sat and had that meeting and they were like sounds fucking awesome we'd love to do it so wow. yeah and so you know essentially that was like <clears throat> everything programming the branding the all of whatever help you need all the systems it's all there the software you know you get it all if you stand alongside us um, so we've just been working towards that as I went back shortly after that meeting Bucky's yet to go you know so there's a bunch of things they need to do right to have their doors open later in the year and that's what you and I Paul have been working on of late which has been really cool um, but the big question that came up when I when I put that out yeah because I've been a little bit reluctant to talk about it because not about Jungle Dublin but just the alliance I've it's it's hard it has been hard at times to talk about it because it is not still a fully crystallized like idea yeah. thing you know there's so many and there's so many moving parts <clears> to it but i put a post out about it as you were talking and uh as we were talking about earlier and people are people have started asking like so what's the deal are you guys franchising now ah uh, yeah 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 and so i i put a thing out today where you know basically trying to make people understand we looked at the franchise thing didn't we like we had business coaches who were like franchise man that's how you do it mm-hmm. build your bible mm-hmm. here's the franchise booklet you put it out there investors you know franchisors ease franchisees pick it up do the thing and we're like who the fuck buys franchises mm-hmm. which we remember i don't know if you remember when we had that fellow i don't remember his name lovely guy yes i, I do remember the guy I don't remember his name mm. did t go over to his gym no he didn't have a gym he was just a business coach kind of guy but he was i, I remember the brand T looked into the brand that he was looking to franchise with. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah, I'm talking right. a different guy. And it, he basically revealed the package to Tiora, who then enlightened us about the options out there for his franchise. Oh, and nah, different dude. Different dude. Yeah, we had a sit down in here in the office. He was like a business coach. Oh, the business coach guy. Yeah. No, I remember him. Fucking legend. He was good. Yeah, it was his time, you know, and he's like franchise. And, and we asked him, we were like, who buys franchises? Like, yes, yeah, like who yeah, buys? Yeah. And and he was like, well, like invest people who want to, you know, get a return, like looking for a smart business decision, yes, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And we're like, I don't really know. None of my friends have ever bought a franchise. Mm. I got plenty of friends that we got plenty of friends that started businesses, mm. been entrepreneur, you know, like created something. Mm. And I think on reflection, we realized. That's not our people at all. Mm. We're not looking to dictate 
we're not looking to prescribe every step that someone has to take in order mm-hmm. to have a successful investment. Mm-hmm. What we wanted to create was something that would have worked for us when we were coming up as gym owners. Mm-hmm. That we would we could have gone like, oh, this brand is sick. Its values are the same as ours. We want to be a part of this organization. Mm-hmm. And wow, look at all the benefits. It's going to help us to create a successful business. So it's kind of two different sides, isn't it? It's like you got people who are like, because I, I see the franchising thing as someone who's, they're not, they're not really interested in the creativity part of it. They're like, hey, I just want something that's a sound investment so I can like flick the switch and it turns over and it's happening. Mm. And I think that that is in a sense, and you know, there'll be exceptions to the rule for sure, but that is like, it's like the person who opens a muffin break franchise versus setting up their own muffin shop. It's like, well, someone's passionate about muffins. Someone's passionate about financial return. Sure. You know? Yeah. And that was, that was really the thing. We're like, well, we didn't start the gym to get rich. You know, the hope, you always hope that you're going to have good financial returns on what you do, but we started the gym because we're passionate about helping people, about carving our own path, about health, transformation, all these things that we do in these four walls. So, um, yeah, like to respond to, to that, it was like, no, it's definitely not a franchise. We want to try to help people in the same way that a franchise would, but we don't want to dictate every step they take. I remember having that guy here in the office using the whiteboard. He might have come twice, I don't know, but I remember afterwards, you know, we've had a few meetings with different people for different reasons and I remember looking at each other and then when he left, you know, during the meeting, then when he left, it was real like, hey, so let's just digest that for a second. And what you just explained was what kind of precipitated in our minds. We're like, yeah, but that means this, but that means this. We're like, fuck no, that's that's actually not what we wanted to do. That's right. Yeah. Um, which was another cool realisation that we had originally, um, maybe five or more years before that in Bondi at your, at your joint when we decided which way we're going to go. Do you want to make as much money as possible? Make a model that – because Laugh was pushing us to say, what's your business model? Okay, what's this? Because he was trying to make a budget. Yeah. And Laugh was one of our, a good friend of ours and one of our first business partners. Yes. And Go he on. was in financial advising or financial services and he was playing that role within our little collaboration. And um, – yeah, so, you know, us being fresh, we're like, all these damn questions, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Just let us open the gym. Yeah, um, and at that point, we were like, we kind of articulated that crossroads, which was, are we just trying to make a model where we can, as you said, like, turn it on, duplicate it, and it can turn over and be making a profit in three years or whatever that is. Cookie cutter. Cookie cutter, minus, like, we had all these aspirations to fucking stick a flag in the ground and shake the world up. And they weren't the same model at that time. There were two different paths. Um, So that was like revisiting that when we had that guy in here. Yeah. Um, And it was like, nah, fuck that. And then, yeah. So now we're here. You've made a post about that conversation, that realization today. Yeah, yeah, I made a video about it. Oh, before. okay, wicked. Because I want, I do want to just start to tell the story more. Absolutely, you know, and and you know, and and I, I want to respond to people because people are like, how's it work? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I sorry, just go on because like you know, you're reminding me of all this shit because my head's not in there. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah, you're right. running the gym. I'm yeah, I'm hearing this for the first time again. But um, what was the other thing like? The other two big things 
were, well, one, it's just an extension of what you said. We want to help people. We help gym owners. And the franchise model didn't help them because it didn't give them a solution to get started without fucking forking out a shitload of money and investment, Um, which just means that it narrows it to a group of people who can afford that. And it's just a really tricky hill to climb in your first few years. And we were like, well, that doesn't help everyone. Is there another way we could do it? Kind of that. And so that's how we've come up with our model. And then the other one, what was the other thing I was going to say about is, ah, yes, the franchise is also uh, limiting in creativity for the person because having as much as you love a brand, you have to stay within the guidelines of those brands and you're, you're eventually going to change inside of that brand's guidelines, but then you're stuck with the brand that you've decided and fuck, it's going to be another two years before it you know yeah you can sell it and you're beholden to to that to hq Amanda. forever yeah that's right and we saw a lot of that with uh, crossfit pals because um the crossfit world was changing but they were in the crossfit model so it was like oh shit fuck we're gonna stay in the guidelines and other franchises as well so it has its its walls and its parameters that ultimately don't give people or gym owners the freedom to continue to evolve themselves and their business with themselves yeah yeah i mean i think on that i think crossfit crossfit because they because crossfit don't do the franchise thing and they do the affiliation thing. sure that's right it's like a looser relationship you know which i think we we recognize was like well that's actually really cool because it does give you a bit of latitude to move you know um even though many don't because it culturally it's very you know very dogmatic as any culture is you know we're, we're dogmatic too but um you know I, I think with crossfit like it's harder to break rules versus franchise like I, I, you know if you got an f45 i don't think you can go hey i'm going to start running like a mobility and a handstand class like no. it goes for 46 minutes because i think we need more time yeah like it, it's you do what <laughs> they tell you you do yeah yep. and that's the product so yeah, you know, we, we recognize that like there's kind of two sides to the spectrum. One is you pay huge upfront cost, you get all of the solutions, but downsides are the upfront cost and um, no creativity, no self-expression. Other end of the spectrum is like full expression um, or let's say affiliation, not full expression, but you know, you have more room to move. You don't have to pay a lot for it, but you also don't get a lot. You don't actually get a community you don't actually get any help with running your business. You just get like a brand name. Mm. Okay, like, hey, put this put this name on your mm. gym and you will benefit from some of the brand recognition that CrossFit has. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, for us, and this is how I try and explain it to people, it's like somewhere in the middle. Like you get all of the help, <clears throat> all of the solutions, but you don't have to pay the money. You also get room to move and freedom to express yourself a bit as long as you stay within the parameters that we all agree Mm-hmm. are you know are in line with the values of the organization um, and you get the community you actually get connection with us mentorship friendship all the other tease gym dublin gym hopefully i can be rattling off hundreds more names than just those three gyms in you know next year's podcast absolutely but but that's the idea and i think it's yeah i mean i mean this is why we've done it it it's powerful like we searched for community with what we were doing and we found business coaches 
And that was where we found true community, which was immense. You know, we, we look at what we learned through those business coaching. It was, it was some of the most valuable shit we did. And the connections we made. Yeah, to other gym owners. So we're like, well, <clears throat> let's recreate that. Mm. But it's, you, don't have to, like, you don't have to pay big money every month to be part of it. You just subscribe to the software, run your gym on those systems, and you're good to go. The franchise model, um, it works for some people. For sure, because it's some people like getting to fitness, um, and maybe it is a big financial thing for them, and they can get told what to do, and they kind of want to. I'd say we're looking for a different breed of people who really want to be invested in the community and the work that they do inside of their gyms. Yeah, if I can say that. Yeah, but you know the beautiful thing is, and what we're trying to contain now and, and work hard to do is that if that person also really doesn't know what they're doing and they don't want to they don't want to like experiment with the brand they can also just walk in and almost get told what to do as well in a sense yeah because we just have like for lack of a better description like a quick setup guide like it's not quick setup but it's that type of thing like if you don't want to explore how to you know how to really creatively take the brand right marketing strategy yeah and all that stuff it's like well you can just follow ours and and start there yeah um, which I think is going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's powerful. That's And, you know, I mean, T has experienced this where he opened his gym and he's like, fuck, it just reminded me how many things there are to do when you first open a gym. Mm. So having that as a reference about, All right, I'm just going to do these, tick these things off the list and it's done. And then in time, mm. you can start to play around. So it's, it's almost you have that franchise guide at the beginning. Yeah. Which is, fuck, here it is, go from page this to that and just do all the things in it to get yourself up and running the programming's there it's going to be running like a really great one of the franchise uh, friend, uh, allies inside the community and then from there you can start to change your programming or change how you do community or whatnot um yeah all bases covered lad <sighs> guys get at us <sighs> we'll see good. you at the christmas party 2023 dublin dublin we're not here to take part Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a good catch up, man. <laughs> How cool would that be? Yeah. Hot boy Euro summer. Whoop, whoop. Oh. Let's get into today's topic, Paul. Today's topic is the shittest jobs that we've ever had. Continued. This would be a part one. I know you oh. had a hard time thinking about them because as, as we identified, you see the world through rose-colored glasses. Yeah, yeah. They were all experiences and I look back and then nostalgic like, oh yeah, that was shit, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I value all of the experience, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me start, let me open, let me open with this. <laughs> Joey's job in uh, promotions. You did promotions? I did promotions. Like handing out fucking vodka flyers or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like oh the, the Midori girls. You know, or wow. like at a bar, promoting. Is this when your hair was blonde and your eyes were extremely piercing? Wow. Now they're just piercing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. How old was I? I was probably 18. <clears throat> I don't remember how I got onto it. Fuck, how did I get onto it? I don't know. I met, I met a guy. I remember promotions held some kind of prestige for me because you'd, you'd be at a bar saying you'd see some hot girls and, the, and you're <laughs> like what are you doing they're like oh we're working promotions I remember and you're like promotions Damn. Yeah. and you're like what are you doing like oh we hand out alcohol and get yeah. paid for it and yeah. you're like well that sounds cool <laughs> you know um 
Yeah, and so I met. I remember meeting a guy who owned a promotions company. He's like, "Man, you should. You'd be perfect for it." And I'm like, "Who me?" And he'd be like, "You'd be great. You should come down for an interview at our at our office, which was in Double Bay." <sighs> And uh, it was called like Next Level or something like that, <laughs> Next Level Promotions. So I was like, all right, great. And so I went down and um, they were like, hey, man, we've got this campaign coming up. It's this new type of alcohol. It's called Chambord. It's like a, it's part, I think it might Chambord, be yeah. Chambord with a soft Bord, D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like a French kind of Chambord. Um, what was it? What type of? Oh, I don't know. It was like it was kind of liqueur esque, kind of mm. like Midori. You know, mm. it's like a concentrated fucking. Then that was thing. the shit. Hey, yeah, and you mix Schnapps. it with snaps. Yeah, and they bring it out, and, like and they've got like the branded cocktails you make with it and shit. Yeah, it's still around though. I see it on behind a bar sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, it, so it's somewhat legitimate, but it was owned by a big company. You know, hey kid, I used to work for that company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shamboy wouldn't be shit without me in this city. That's right, man. <laughs> and so they're like, we got, a, uh, we got a campaign coming up. I think you'd be perfect for it. And I'm like, all right, well, how's it work? And they said, well, here's the campaign. It's, uh, they're like, Shamboy is, 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 we want, it's marketed as a, a prestige brand. Um, in that way, it's, it's kind of refined and classy. Um, so the theme of the, of the campaign is like 007, kind of you in a suit, bow tie, you know, gorgeous lady on, on your side kind of thing and, you know, in sort of classy establishments talking to... And I'm like, all right, you know, that works. I've never worn a suit at this stage, right? <laughs> and um, I'm like, where's where's it happened? And they're like, Star Casino. No. I'm like, all right, Star Casino. I'm like, damn. I'm like, I haven't even been to the Star Casino. I'm like, what do I have to do? And they're like, you basically just got to go in there with the girl... We got some like flies and stuff, but you're going to go and talk to people and you're going to tell them about it and you're going to um, offer them like a deal. There's a deal that you can get at the bar. They can drink some. It's cheap. They, I think they had outlawed like free alcohol. You can't give out free alcohol anymore. <clears throat> it's an RSA thing, mm. responsible service of alcohol. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, How old are you? I'm like 18 or 19. Like I'm a kid. Star was built then. Yeah. Yeah, Star was built. I, I was a fucking kid. So anyway, I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so we're on. And they, uh, great, next thing is to get you fitted for a suit. So I met up with them at Kelly Country. Kelly Country. Yeah, I think, which is here in Alexandria, or mascot. You mm. get $99 suits. Yep. They got 19-year-old Joey a $99 suit. Yep. It was so ill. I mean, I was a skinny guy back then. And I just looked like a kid wearing his dad's suit. And it, it, I, I'm like, I just feel like a fucking dweeb. But anyway... Got the suit. They said, great, Friday night you start. It's Friday night for the next six weeks or something at the star. Oh, geez. So we got like some kind of staff pass. We're like meeting this staff room at the casino. So it all felt, you know, and, you know, whatever pre So we get there and it's me and another guy and two girls. The other guy was like a really tall, broad, extremely handsome rugby playing guy from a private school. It was like same age as me, but was basically a man. <laughs> had like pecs and shit and I'm like this fucking guy look at him in a suit he looks spectacular I'm swimming in this thing um, and the girls the girls were you know the girls were gorgeous very, uh, seemed kind of one of them didn't seem very nice one of them seemed very nice a little off the shoulder number yeah you know yeah they, they looked great classy. you know yeah classy kind of girls I was dating very comfortable around girls like that at this age okay um, you had you know this morning yeah. I, I was chuckling because I walked in and Joey was training with the Bulletproof crew and you had the playlist on. You're like, hey, Paulie, Paulie, remember this track? It was on earlier. I thought I'd just wind it back for you. <laughs> and he's like, 
you know, he's gyrating a little bit. It's R&B, basically stuff. <laughs> 90s it was Nelly in there I was like Joe's just playing his playlist from when he was single <laughs> <laughs> and he's like gyrating around doing reps yeah. I was like he's just in his head he's just back, back oh in, yeah back in transported this, yeah back to this gig dry Start humping singing. pashing you know, dry humping hunger. yep who said that last week? I we said cracked it. up in the yeah. Jesus Christ. I hadn't just heard that term for so long. Still the greatest sexual position of all time. <laughs> the dance floor dry up. Yeah. Um, oh my God. But so, uh, so we're doing this thing and I got paired with the, with the, the friendly girl and it was fine. But all I remember was that the, the, the promotional people were there and they're like, the, the people around the country, they're like, all right, so you're going to you're going to be in this bar and then you guys will go to this bar, There's multiple bars at the casino. And, um, we started, we entered the bar and I'm this kid and I got to go and approach, you know, adults mm. and tell them about this thing. So I'm like, oh, hey guys. <laughs> and dudes were just looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> And they'd be like, hey, mate, um, not interested. Hello, what's your name to the girl? <laughs> and, you know, and so she was able to have some, oh, we're, we're promoting this thing. And I'm just there. I'm just like off to the side, like so ineffective, <laughs> so insignificant. Um, you know, might have sold a couple or whatever. But it was really, it was like, I don't know if, if you or if those listening can identify with this feeling. When you're like at that age, like, 18, 19, even like in your early 20s. If you're out at a bar kind of thing, unless you're an exceptionally like bright or sort of like sparky individual, you don't feel comfortable mingling with middle-aged or like 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. Like it's very hard to meet them at that level Mm. because really you're a kid. Like you've only just been allowed into bars. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, I fucking better get a drink, you know. But That's why we we all used to smoke cigs and play pool because we didn't know how to just sit there. And chat. Have a conversation. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why you couldn't meet girls unless you were hammered. Yes. And they were ha- you had to get hammered so you could communicate. Yes. That's right. So <laughs> so I'm trying to like- The old days. Yeah. I'm trying to vibe on this level. And I just- And we're not allowed to drink or anything. They're like, no, you're working. It's You can't be- You tried the drink though? They're like- yeah, yeah, oh, Maybe. Yeah, I think so. We tried it at some point. Mm. Um, it was fucked. It was so deflating. I, I walked out of there and I'm like- Oh man, I was really didn't do anything for this. Yeah, the next week they paired me with the other girl, oh, and she was like real princessy kind of thing, bit of augmentation in there, classic influencer type. If you're trying to picture the sure, girl, sure, I'm open to all Easy kinds on of the eyes. Um, yeah, but I'm open to all kinds of people. But she was so fucking rude. She was like such a cow. And we we got we were on a di- we we're at a different bar and we kind of and we were already like in the lift on the way there and she'd offended me multiple times and I'm like you're so fucking rude and she's like excuse me I'm like man like and I just called her out on her rudeness yes. and then and she took it like she took it she came back it was she wasn't like oh sorry she was like oh well you know and kind of stood her ground but. It sort of simmered it down. But basically when we got into the bar, we just split ways. Oh, damn. And he was my saving grace. I'm up there. I'm trying to sell this thing. It's another bar. No one wants to fucking talk to me. All the guys want to talk to her. Casino's full of dudes, right? Of course. Oh, great. Here's a, you know, good looking broad, good looking girl that, that wants to talk to me. You know, so she's, she's doing great. The owners of the promotions company are there. I can remember they were looking at me. 
And I'm just like, it's fucked. And I went over to a table to two guys and I'm yep. like, hey guys, have you heard about this thing? And, they're like, no. and then I was like, man, don't I recognize you? And uh, they were a couple of like, a couple of homeboys from around the way who I'd met through uh, Tane and Johnny Filipana and like some of my Maori friends. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I met you guys before. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, and we had yes. like, so, and then I was like, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing promotions. And they're like, bro, you should have a drink. And I was like, <laughs> You know, what? I, I looked at the, I looked at the owner of the company, like he's sitting outside, kind of keeping an army. And then I looked at the girl, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's get a drink." <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of the. Gig. That was the fucking end of it. You had your suit. You had a few drinks. Yeah, you kept the suit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was. It sounds very brief, but by the time I made that decision, I I knew I'm like I'm, I'm not going to have any benefit. And you're not going to see the six weeks through, nah. whatever. It might have been week three or something, but yeah, that was the deal. Fuck. Oh, I hate that. Right. But quite good. I mean, I've always admired you from a young age. You were able to tell her you were so rude, or I probably wouldn't have done that. <laughs> just to tell her, like, you know, this isn't working. And then, yeah, just cutting it off like that. That's classic. It was good. See, with the boys. Hey, with the boys. Hey, fuck this. So I, that was it. End of story. <laughs> yeah, done. I, I don't. Yeah, I took the suit home. I'm like, that's mine. That's mine, you dogs. I mean, it was a shit. It was like four hours on a Friday night. Oh, I. But I was like, you guys suck. Like this, choosing to put me in front. I'm like, bad, big mistake. Like, you don't put a boy in front of adults and try to get them to sell something on their level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's pretty like cowboyish that you just, uh, I, like, just what qualifications do you have for this? Yeah, you know. You're almost there to escort the girl around. Basically. Basically, and to report back if something happens. Looking back, it's probably kind of exactly you know, what it was, yeah. Yeah. Far out. But I would, I would run into this girl again years later. Oh, the rude one? Yeah. Okay. And guess what job she was working when I ran into her? I couldn't guess. She was the door bitch at a club I was trying to get into. <laughs> You didn't get in that night, or did she not recognize you? She actually let us in. Okay, she. Re- I think she recognized. I was like, "Hey," she was like, "Hey, yeah." He goes, "Like, he's real." I was like, "Okay, it's cool." That's so funny. We're keeping it civil. Yep. <laughs> oh, I was that's with- hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did I gain from that? I don't really know, but it was a cool experience anyway to know what I don't like doing. Well, you gained on your CV, worked in promotions. That's true. Promotions. Promotions. Marketing. Prestige. Prestige and marketing for a high-level European liquor company. That's right. Far out. Um, now- I like that story. You, you, you being who you are, uh, you were like, eh, no, they're all good jobs. Maybe looking back though, there's got to be something there that you're like, oh, that was kind of shit. Yeah, let's see. It's so funny because when you explain that feeling that when you're, you know, you're a teenager or you're, you're not comfortable in your own skin in those early years of your teenagehood, going into early adulthood, some people are uncomfortable even now, you know, in their 30s. But yeah, you, um, that space where you just like, you feel really nervous and vulnerable and stupid a little bit, like you're out of your league amongst yeah, the area that you've been shoved into. I mean, I think straight away to um, Zoom Sound and Vision at Moore Park. Oh. With Dave Wilson. Remember Dave Wilson? Yeah. yeah Dave yeah. Wilson. Lovely shouts. guy. Legend. I worked there. First, I was, before that, I was working at Feeler at Birkenhead Point. 
And that was that was heaps of fun. Preston got me that job uh-huh. um, because he was like some sort of state manager or something like that. He was in retail for a long time and he was, yeah, he used to work with G-Star and everything. Ultimate retail guy. Yes. Bubbly, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then Dave, who at the time I think I was, I'd see him occasionally because I was training with him and Eddie at Choyley Fart and we used to do like uh, sparring sessions at Eddie's place. Um, I think back to those sparring sessions, like I was a boy amongst men and obviously they turned it down for me, but I'm grateful for those times. I used to get a bleeding nose every session. Like I just had soft cartilage in my nose. Like you just have to just, just graze my nose and it was bleeding every time. And you just keep going. The idea is it just hardens up, stops bleeding I as I guess much. so. Yeah, stops bleeding. Don't get hit as much, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but yeah, so then he was always in my ear like, oh, fuck, what do you want to work there for? You know, you should come work for me. And um, he worked – and he was also like a representative for um, – he worked in sales for electronics companies. Right. So he was like repping for, I don't know, whatever the DVD brands are. Um, Sanyo. You know, and he used to get headhunted for sales jobs in those. So he was like sought after. But there was this one shop in Moore Park called Zoom Sound and Vision – you guys from around the gym might know it because it's kind of local to here, eastern, southern suburbs of Sydney. Um, and it was in there with Harvey Norman and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he eventually approached me. I was like, yeah, sure. He was like, man, you earn heaps more money with me. And he kept on in my ear until I was like, okay, I'll come. Um, because there was commission, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, it's fucking easy. It's a piece of cake. So you come over here, blah, 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 get your commission. It's easy. You'll be with me the whole time. It's fine. I eventually went. I regretted going because Feeler was retail. It was cool. I just get shoes, jumpers, whatever, you know. Um, we had R&B banging all the time. We had Feeler gear on. Did you date a girl that you worked with or I something? I did, yeah. Killer? You know. Good times. Good times. Uh, relatively closer to where I lived and where my whole network was. You, It was Birkenhead Point, Glazeville, Balmain, Glebe. Yep. And then I get this job at Moore Park. So I think I was dry. It's just further away. Then I'm in this shopping center and then I'm in this electronic shop and I have to wear a Zoom sound and vision. I call it, uh, it was a uh, polo, you know, collared top with short sleeves. Yeah. And it has like the embroidered Zoom sound and vision one side and the other one was like, um, name a DVD brand. Fucking Sony. Sony or something. It was like that. Yeah. Like a white cold polo top. Tucked in to church pants oh. So it's that look When yep. you see like Private school boys Going out to like Rugby games And they all have to wear The slacks and the polo top I call it church pants And, and like black shoes Yeah And then it was just boring I just worked with a bunch of Sales guys that were in there That were just trying to get As much commission as possible I basically went from um, Going to Good Bar To work <laughs> And then you know Going to some some fucking shitty place that was really boring where the lighting was terrible and the music was horrible <laughs> and the environment was just all dudes. It was it was like I went from a fun place to work to like into a field that I didn't know anything about. And you were a salesperson? Yeah, I was retail. So, so just, you're meant to be trying to make sales too, fighting for commission? Yeah, yeah. Working so, for commission? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just in the shop and as people come in, I see if they want help and then you 
sell them a fucking stereo yep. and then you put it on your thing. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Come to the front and I'll finish the sale with you. And then you boom, you scan your thing and that's how you get your commission, right? Right, yeah. Um, but it was just like a huge contrast and I'd spend those days and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know anything about this product. Whereas with clothes, well, I could explain what I liked about something quite easily. I didn't know shit about electronics. Like I wasn't really into that at all. Yeah. Um, but I made my way. I stayed there for a fair, for a fair while, maybe a year. Um, you know, found my... My tracks that I used to I used to like selling selling stereos because I just put music on and talk about the music. <laughs> I was like, check out this Eagles track; it sounds really good on this. Blast it up, <laughs> turn up the bass a little bit, bro. Know? But then they asked me some technical shit. I had no idea. Do you remember Boogie Nights? Yeah, Bucks Super Stereo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When du- he leaves the porn <laughs> industry and big starts selling stereos in the cowboy outfit. Yeah, and the guy's like. And he's like, turn it up. And he's like, that's called hi-fi. That's high fidelity audio. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. That was me. Dude, that's so good. <laughs> mm. I'm not sure if I need all that bass. Oh, bro. It was just like, it was so awkward. But anyway, Dave. How old were you? Uh, I don't know, like Driving. 18. Okay, yep. 18, maybe. But um, what a stitch up from Dave. Stitch up, Dave. But the thing is that Dave loved me. Like, you know, I'm like a little brother. So him and Eddie were close. And those guys go way back with Troy Fart and fighting and growing up with Mike Tyson era and all that. And I was like the little guy that came and hung with them and, and we sparred together with Troy Fart. And I was like the cool kid that was always just around. And he just wanted me to, I think, you know, he really just wanted me to be around in his, his store because it wasn't, it wasn't fun, that much fun for him. And the boss there was, this, uh, it was a South African family and he was. He was a prick. He was a bit of a prick. He was just a bit rude and, you know, not much of a... He didn't go out of his way to make me feel comfortable, for instance. Right. You know, and that's just how he does his business. pretty tough. But, you know, so I'd be there and Dave would be selling and and Dave would come over and, you know, he'd just want to talk fights, you know, and spar me inside the the (laughs) story. He's like... Because, yeah, he was was very comfortable there. Yeah. It was cool. I was just like... I was like good company. It's like, you know, to break break the monotony of his day. Like, you bastard. (laughs) Yeah, so that was just like a mismatched job, you know. Were you making good money? Do you remember? Like, was that significant? Uh, don't remember. Don't remember. Man, like, I can't even put that timeline together, you know, um, off the top of my head. Because it was just a bit tricky when I finished school. I think I was still at school, you know. That's what it was. I think I was working weekends there. That's right. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, because that was pre-Panavision days. There's another job. Bruh. Yeah, that's what it was. I was at school. Yeah, okay. So I went from Maccas so to Feeler, from Feeler to this job. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so you weren't driving, or you were driving at that stage? No, I wasn't. Yeah, I was okay. Not. You're public transport. Yeah. Yeah, which means then that the, the change from being at Dremoyne at Birkenhead Point <clears> to <throat> Moore Park is like considerable yep, double time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was just a, just a mismatch. So you, like yours, you're standing there going, I feel like an idiot in this this outfit and um i just don't know what i'm talking about here it's such a shit way to feel yeah i mean arguably you go through that in any new job to an extent don't you yeah uh, not yeah maybe just not knowing how to how to act kind of thing that can take time but yeah i think when you know you're like i'm a kid like i'm not I, i i had that same feeling when i worked for my dad at his nursery you know where 
you'd tell me to go up and ask someone if they needed help, and then they'd say, "Oh yeah, I've got this um, this this spots on the underside of my um, you know spathophyllum plants. Can you help me with something for that?" And mm. I'd be like, "Let me just check with Dad." <laughs> and that's my response to every question. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of shit. You're helping them to the car, bro. Well, that was, yeah, there's a bit of that. What about, um, what about film industry? Yeah. I can think of one time, I mean, there's many, but one that stands out as being a real shit time, which was, uh, same, we were both working on this film, but different units, uh, stealth. Mm. And, we switched to it was kind of the 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 end of it to we did six weeks of night shoots in the blue mountains Mm. and it was middle of winter and we would start work at like four in the afternoon so you'd start work right at that time when you're just kind of starting to wind down six weeks and then you would finish at like 6 a.m. Oh, I hate night Drive trips. home and sleep during the day and then get back up at 3 o'clock. And, yeah. But you had a con there, but still, you travel back. Mate. Travel out to location. It was fucked. Yeah. It was so fucked. Yeah. And everyone's trying to convince each other that it's awesome. How good is this? You know? How good is the room? Oh, get, yeah, that's right. We're at the Hydro Majestic. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. You just go there to sleep. You're not hanging out. Yeah. But you would have a weekend. But the thing, the fucked up thing was is that you would have a weekend but you'd finish, say, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Yep. Go sleep. Saturday night, everyone gets wrecked. Yep. Film standard. industry standard. Sleep all day Sunday. Get up, like, I don't know, maybe drink a couple beers Sunday night, eat dinner, and then go to bed, wake up. It's Monday, and then you're on again this afternoon. And yeah. you're like... Oh, shit. Uh, I should probably have a nap now. I've gotten up too early. Yeah. It nap was... Before work. There's no... Like, I'm... <clears throat> saying this makes me feel deeply for shift workers. Yes. Because it is so alien to your physiology. Oh. Tasha's going through a bit of it now. Oh, is she? Adjusting to her, yeah, her midwifery position. Lucky she loves the job. And it's, I think, considerably more rewarding... Then Stealth, which was a straight-to-DVD hit. Yes. You probably see it there at Big W, fam. Yeah. $2. Not even. It's free. It comes <laughs> yeah. with every chocolate bar. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, just it's, it's tough. Yeah. Shift work. Fucking shit. Yeah, kind of just forcing your body into those clocks. Yeah. Um, and I, I look back to at that time, and I'm sure you can relate, we didn't look after ourselves. We didn't sleep enough. We probably didn't eat the best, you know, on the film because, you, mm. you know, you're tired and mm. there's amazing food on offer all the time. So you just kind of partake, you know. You eat your way through the night shoots. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and you just like it's it's not a good combination. No. Um, yeah, I look back and like, and then you get hammered on the weekends. It's like it's not a healthy existence. No, sadly. That one in particular – because I, I don't know if you remember, I sprained my ankle real badly oh, playing yes. soccer. Yeah, that's right. Right before we went to the Blue Mountains. Oh, damn. The fucking Gladesville Ravens. Ravens Stadium. And Peel was, Park, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, nah, I'll go. And your bro, Mossy, was like, yeah, you'll be right. Be good, you'll be you're good. good. Yeah, you're tape good. it, you'll be good. My ankle was a fucking mess. I remember hobbling around on this night shoot. I kind of re-sprained it in a little way like almost every night because you're tripping on shit. You're in big boots. Yeah. With wet weathers over, 
everything and then you're like walking on dark undulating yeah. surfaces. Yeah, it's like mountainous and Ugh. shit. Oh. Carrying gear. Yeah. The regret is deep. It is. You're like, fuck, I should have looked after that ankle at that oh, time. I really wish I did. But yeah, that was like, <sighs> that was a special time. I never wish to go back to night shoots or night work. Horrible fucking thing. Mm. Tell me, you got to have one similar to that from film industry. Mate. There's obviously a lot of good times, but there's, bad, there's plenty of bad times. Mate, not, not that stand out. Like I said, I just kind of have this thing where I gloss it over and go, yeah. I mean, I remember doing, you know, just stupid, not like one-off nights. You know, we did long nights on Wolverine at Homebush. We had a full set and it was like period Japan. Was it period? No, it wasn't period, but it was Japan. But out, yeah, it was just a full snow set and it was just, you know, it's at Homebush. In a studio? In, in No, outdoors. Yeah. Big cranes with snow machines and it was just like, you know, the worst part is that you go in day in, day out, like week in, week out. Yeah. That's like the hardest piece. Um, the night shoots were pretty brutal there. Uh, we did a stupid, annoying 20-something hour day once. It's the longest day I've done. Brian Singer on Superman. You were there. At the Belgian beer cafe? Yeah, yeah. We did, it was 23 hours in that fucking there joint. There you go, there you go. 23 fucking hours. Yep. Huge. But think about the overtime, bro. But think about it. Oh, we cashed up. Oh, bro. That's, yeah. I mean, that's how they do it, isn't it? They're like, but you get that overtime. That's right. You're like, we'll work to the bone. And then I spend it all in retail therapies. That's right. <laughs> Shit that you no longer you have. Need. That's correct. Yeah, that was stupid. That was really annoying because was, there was no good reason. There was a lot of time and days wasted on that for no good reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? The fucked thing about that. he was a fruitcake. Uh, uh, of the highest order. Yes. Here's the thing that I always found ironic in the film industry when it's overtime. Because everyone's on, every department's on their own radio channel. Mm-hmm. So we're in the lighting department. We're all linked up. And then you go to another channel and it's production department, blah, blah, blah. But at some point, there's rumblings through the set of, oh, it looks like we're going to go into overtime. And then the assistant director department jumps onto your channel and, oh, hey, guys, um, we're, we're requesting overtime tonight, um, just if anyone has any objections. <laughs> and it's like no one ever objects because who's going to be the one to say, actually, I'm not prepared to do the overtime because yeah. your boss would just be like... It's blackmail. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So you're like, oh, no, yep, that's fine with us. And you're like, oh, you know, and then all the people, you see like all the, I remember all the guys like, oh, just start texting the missus. Or like, <laughs> oh, you'll have to put the kids to bed tonight or, you know. <laughs> but, but the irony that like you have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so stupid. But we used to have all those fucking dudes on our channels. Like a lot of the, the groups and the lighting guys, we used to have like, you know, Peaches or someone. They'd come in and, and they request it. Someone would be like, Eat a dick. You know, Peaches you know, pages or fucking Alex or something would always like yell something out. Like, come on. And depending on who did it, whether it was like a young, uh, you know, a, a kind of in between AD with a bit of experience that is a bit sensitive, would get like, oh, come on, guys, I'm just the messenger. You know, or if it was like Eddie Thorne, it'd be like, you know, he'd love it. He'd think it's, it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they loved pissing pissing that AD off that took a little bit too much pride in it. Yeah. Like, hey, this is a message from the director. Like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, in a dick. But yes, we'll do the other <laughs> Yes, we will. Exactly. 
Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. The, I mean, you think about that now, like 23-hour days, and it's just the, the fact that, like, you're, like, that's just one day on that whole shoot. But that was 10 months, if I'm mm. not mistaken, that film. It was a long fucking engagement. And we did a lot of ridiculous. You remember, like, we would start, because the ruling is you've got to have a 10-hour turnaround. Mm-hmm. So when the time that you wrap, or the time you leave set or whatever, it has to be 10 hours between then and stepping back start. on the set the next day. So um, we would start at like a moderate hour, like 7 a.m. or 6 a.m., whatever, on a Monday morning. Mm. And they would go overtime and you'd be shooting till 9 p.m. And they'd be like, oh, hey, guys, so Monday we're meant to start at, at 6 as well, but because of 10-hour turnaround, we'll see you at 7. Yep. And then you'd shoot till 10. And they'd be oh, hey, guys, Wednesday, it's 8 a.m. start. You'd get to fucking Friday and you'd be starting at like 11, 12 o'clock. <clears throat> and then you're shooting through till like 1 in the morning. Like it just was an out of control. And you're like, you're at the whim of it. You have no, yeah. you, no influence on this thing. On that one in particular, that was weekly. That was weekly every week. Because yeah. Brian was and his team were party boys. They didn't care. They had a budget that was expendable it seemed and so did we we'd never had a film where we had no questions asked about anything that we wanted for our production we just got everything didn't we i never i don't think i ever earned as much money as then um, that's a that good, year. It's a good point yeah i kind of didn't realize at the time as much but i think i was less i wasn't as understanding of what was going on as you were yep. but yeah that was i think that was the best we we're getting paid yes yeah yep. around 1800 a week we we're getting before overtime? Maybe. Something like that. I think that's what it was. But, but I mean, in total, it was because of all the overtime. Like, we ended up, our rates went up over the years. Yeah. But the overtime was so great on that film that we had, we just earned so much money. Yeah. Yeah, that 1800 would probably turn into like three grand a week. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. Those days. Oh. But I'm remembering more details. But yeah, you have to you have to like couple that thought of like, oh wow, that's really good money for like 21 year old guys or whatever, 22. Yeah, exactly. But you like, have no life for those 10 months. You're just doing, you know, it's good at 21 because that is your life. Like, I, you know, it was it's fun at that stage. Um, because yeah, fuck, there's big sets and blah blah blah. But it was it was shit as well at the same time. Tell me about Brian Singer for the people. That are people like, I want to know more about Brian Singer. Oh, Why was he a party boy? What was his deal? There's so many things to go into, but um, just... He directed The Usual Suspects. Yeah. As, we were very excited when he was coming. I was like, Usual Suspects director, like amazing. Yeah. And now he's directed a bunch of the other big Marvel films, I think. Right. Um, what were the other notable films that he did? I don't know. I'll look it up right <clears> now. <throat> I've got the internet on my phone just here. Um, anyway... He was uh, very talented at his job, but he was, I don't know how to explain. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he, he wasn't a people person. Um, he, and at that stage he had, he had a team, I didn't know much about it, but he had a team that was built around him. So he had a producer um, that he would fight, they'd fight like, that. you know, they, they'd be bitching to each other. They had that, he's a, he's a, a story on the film to, to kind of put into perspective. Uh, it was what was the name of the producer? Something Lee. Anyway, they they were always bickering, you know, because he's trying to pull Brian in line and Chris. Brian, Chris, no, not Chris Lee, the the producer of that film. Oh, it wasn't Chris. Oh, yeah, okay. Chris Lee's, he's the cool guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, very cool. Love that guy. Uh, um, but I remember he got he changed the locks on the studio and locked the producer out. And anyway, <laughs> it just shut down shooting for the day. Shit. Yeah, it, which is just irresponsible. He, he went to KFC for lunch and didn't come back for like three hours. He just left the set and we were all there and everyone was like, oh, extended lunch. Um, and he did that numerous times or we just had lunch that went on for hours because he'd, whatever, he'd go somewhere, he'd go to his apartment up in Wool- Woolloomooloo? No, top of town. Top of town, yeah, up at uh, Darlinghurst. Yeah, and he put on a number of parties that we went to up there. But he was, you know, he was living his best life very during that film. sticky surfaces in those parties, yes. ladies and gentlemen, very yeah, sticky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a very interesting um, reputation. He had a, a, a young boyfriend and um, who he'd met he super young. Well, to give a bit of context to the other offsider of his that was a key character of this film was uh, your mate. Your mate. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. The, the parties and whatnot, kind of, there's a crossover there. Um, he anyway. directed uh, Superman Returns in 2006. Um, famously on the crew where Joe Worthington and Paul Fertifilli stand yep. out. Lying to, this is on yes, uh, yes, Wikipedia. Um, <clears throat> he co-wrote and produced X-Men First Class, directed fantasy adventure film Jack the Giant Slayer, X-Men Days of Future Past, X-Men Those Apocalypse. Ones. And he also directed Bohemian Rhapsody. That's right. That's 2018. I haven't seen that yet. But yeah. um, he would have loved that film. Do you remember when shooting got shut down because he got kissed? Well, that, that's what I was getting to. Go there. Oh, it was just basically this, this, this boyfriend that he had taken on. He had a number of them uh, during the film. But um, he was a really young boy, really guy, whatever. He might have been our age. Um, and anyway... He he brought his mum to set, yeah? No, it was... Um, Wasn't he it his was, mum? The yeah, boy's mum? Yeah, no, but that boy, uh, he had the boyfriend, but the boy whose mum it was, he was like Lois Lane's son. He was the uh, child actor. Okay, sorry, that one. And his mum came to brought him to set. Yeah. And look, I just remember that uh, when they were greeting each other, they embraced in, a, in a, just a you know kiss on the cheek type of thing. Yep. Um, and then Brian realised that she had a, like, like herpes on her lip. Cold sore. Cold sore on her lip. And then he just f- fucking lost it on set. Lost it on set and blew up. And you tell the rest. Well, I, he, I, I mean, I didn't remember. see that. But yeah, he lost it in front of her, at yeah. her. Yes. I can't believe you've done yeah. oh, And we were like, what, what's going on? I was on the outside of the set. Yeah. And I mean, picture this. We're on a location in Concord. We've been, like, there's... There's millions of dollars being spent in that 24 hours. There's cr- like rigging crews, lighting crews, like the whole thing's been built. We're in this location and the start of shooting, the mum brings the boy, the kiss thing happens. He blows up and leaves, I don't know, to go to a doctor or some shit. And we basically it was like, hey guys, hang out. I think it was a full day, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was half a day mm. here at Turn. He had to just go and cool off. And maybe, I don't know, get some fucking bleach or something. But, like, you, you, you know, like, okay, yeah, sure. No one wants to necessarily get kissed by someone with a cold soul. But yeah, yeah. you are the leader yeah. of this fucking crew of, like, hundreds and hundreds of people. The crew would have been thousands if you consider the, the offset people, right? Like, yeah. it is big money. Your Moses always used to say, like, hey, if there's a decision, like, that you're de- like, if your department is holding up the shoot, 
Yes. And there's a decision that needs to be made. Just keep in mind that that's those minutes are costing thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like just make – even the decision costs money, just make the decision kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So like you think about that, the director's meant to be that the, the, the leader. Ugh. Oh, man. But there was, there was so many fucking – there was dozens of shit that he'd do. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean it's, it's classic like Hollywood shit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um. On another day, we can go into the Kevin Spacey piece, but it's very interesting to see what's uh, unfolding with him now. What happened in the end? Well, I mean, I don't know what came of the, those sort of initial allegations or trials, but he's on trial, I believe, in England at the moment because he did a stint there working in a theatre and there's been a bunch <clears throat> of people who have come out, males, like, yeah, he abused me um, during his time there. And I don't know, I, I haven't followed it closely, but from what I understand, it's, you know, it's looking pretty pretty hard for him to beat, you know? He's, you know, without going into it, some creepy shit going on there, yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah. We, you know, you spoke about, like, top of the town, like Brian's apartment. We went there for, for a party or two. The parties were fucking loose. You didn't want to fall asleep at that party or, no. or drink too much at one of those parties. There was a part of the... The apartment that we couldn't get into. Remember that? It was kind of like a reserved section uh, I, for, the, for the boys. Well, all I know is that I I can never unsee something that I saw there that not one of the nights that we went up, um, which is funny because it was funny, top of the town apartment, but it's like kind of penthouse where there's yeah. three levels type of thing. Flash apartments. Yeah, but they're quite poxy on the stairwells and stuff and they're low. You know, the ceilings are low, but it's it's weird because it's kind of like a cheap apartment, but... Prestigious. Yeah, but at the right spot and there's a big open area type of thing. So you don't know, everyone was doing it. We'd go up to go to the toilet and you'd open the wrong door because there was like three doors. It looks like a linen cupboard. Yep. Open the wrong door. Oh. Open the wrong door and shut it straight away. Saw some skin? Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. But like there's a bit of a, you know, there's people there and they're like, ooh, ha, ha. And I was like, get oh. him in here. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, no. Who's that dark boy? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, stay sober while you're here. Fucking hell, oh. yeah. Some wild. You remember when we arrived, Kevin's, we arrived and like you say, it's poxy and small and we're in the kind of lobby and we're waiting for the lift and we're there, it was like five, six of us, you, me, Billsy, a couple of other crew. like Billsy. Yeah, and because uh, it was invite only. That was the other thing. So on set, certain individuals got invited, certain, uh, some didn't. So we're like, oh, cool, we all got invited. Oh, well, us young guys, we all got invited. How cool is that? Weird. Yeah, and we're there waiting for the lift to come down. Lift opens. Kevin Spacey's in there, paralytic, oh, yeah. being propped up by like two people on oh. each arm, and they're like dragging him out, and he like winked at us or some shit. <laughs> You're like, man, it's like 9.30. <laughs> this has just turned into one big memory lane thing. Fuck, I told you. Yeah. It's not all rose-coloured stuff, bro. Uh, yeah. Guys, hope you enjoyed that, that <laughs> walk down memory lane. We'll continue this in part two. Um, there's a little bit to digest. We probably need uh, to be mindful of some of the things we say. I don't know if there's legal ramifications. <laughs> That's right. Um, you can come and cancel us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, grateful for having had those experiences. Like, how fucking cool that we got to do all that stuff. mm uh, but yeah, we'll expand on the Kevin Spacey piece 
some other day. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Uh, please support the show. Leave us a review. Share the episode with a friend. Five stars, all that shit. Whatever you can do to help us put it out there. Now you, took, now you took me back to that time. I need to go back to therapy again and scrub my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you work so hard in therapy to like Paul's, get that. Paul's going to want to debrief <laughs> <a minute. laughs> uh, So funny. Um, thanks, bro. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, fam. We'll catch you next week. See you.